You have reached Road Talk, Navigating Your Journey, a ministry and podcast of the Discover Young Adults Ministry at the Preston Crest Church of Christ in Dallas, Texas. We meet at 945 on Sunday mornings, and we have small groups all throughout the week. We are located at Preston Road and Highway 635 in North Dallas. My name is Jacob Hawk. I'm the Young Adults Minister and the host of this podcast. It doesn't matter if you are single, dating, if you want to be dating, if you're married, if you want to be married, or if you're divorced, or if you're trying to figure out at what stage of life you are passing through. At the Discover Young Adults Ministry, we want to help you discover life, discover love, and discover the Lord. If I can help you or serve you in any way, or if I can pray for you, please email me at jacob at pressandcrest.org. Well, I want to welcome you back again to Road Talk, navigating your journey. I hope that you're having a great day, and as always, thank you for spending just a little bit of your time today with us here at Road Talk as we continue our series on some great hymns that we sing in the church. Today's hymn is a hymn that I've often said, if preachers had walk-up songs before they preached, uh, this would have to be one of those walk-up songs. For me personally, it's a song that always energizes me before it's time to get up and bring a message from the Word of God. It may just be because of the great music or because of the words that we sing, but as I've studied this song more, I think it's even more powerful when you consider the story behind the song. Today we are talking about the great hymn, Revive Us Again. It may often be called, We Praise Thee, O God, in some of the old hymn books, and even today in the paperless hymnal, the PowerPoint slides, it's known as, We Praise Thee, O God. It was originally known as, Revive Us Again, which we sing every time we sing the chorus of this song. It was written in 1863 by a Scottish doctor named W.P. McKay. McKay grew up with a godly mother, but when he moved out, like many young adults do, he turned away from the church and from God because he thought it was all foolishness. And so he sought out to live his new life away from God, figuring out who he was. Years later, when W.P. McKay was working in the local hospital, a worker was brought in with life-threatening wounds. The patient asked W. P. McKay, who was the doctor on duty that evening, what are my chances for survival? McKay must not have had very good bedside manner, because he told the patient, do you have any relatives that we need to contact? It's never good when the doctor makes that statement. Well, the patient did not have family, but he did want to see his landlord, whom he owed a small amount of rent, very honorable thing to do. And he also wanted his landlord to bring him his copy of the book. Well, a few days later, the patient passed away, just like McKay said would happen. And some of the patient's personal affairs had to be handled in the presence of McKay, who was the doctor on duty the night that he passed. The nurse asked McKay, what shall we do with this book? McKay said, what kind of book is it? Well, the nurse handed it to him, and W.P. McKay saw that it was a Bible. But it was not just a Bible. 
the more that he looked at it closely, he realized that it was his Bible when he was a kid growing up. It even had his mother's handwriting on the front page addressed specifically to him, her son, W.P. McKay. When he moved out of his parents' home, he sold his Bible for a small amount of money. And now all these years later, through a set of divine circumstances, his Bible had returned. W.P. McKay, with a sense of shame, wrote these words. I looked upon the precious book. It had been a guide to this patient to enable him to die in peace and happiness. And this book, the last gift of my mother, I had sold for a ridiculous price. Be it sufficient to say that the regained possession of my Bible was the cause of my conversion. And that night, upon receiving his Bible, which he had sold years before, W.P. McKay wrote the words to the song, Revive Us Again. Let's listen to this great song together. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah, amen. McKay writes in verse 3, All glory and praise to the Lamb that was slain, who has borne all of our sins, 
and hath cleansed every stain. Do you have a hard time believing that Jesus bore all of your sins? That he cleansed all of your stains? Some people have a hard time believing that. Others don't. But if you do have a hard time believing that, why is that so hard to believe? I want to share just a few passages with you very quickly today that reinforce that promise that McKay described in this great song. In 1 John chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, the Apostle John makes this statement, If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie, and we do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son purifies us from all sin. Not just some sin or most sin. John says that if we are walking in the light, if we are making an intentional decision to live a faithful life, if we have been washed by the blood of Jesus through the waters of baptism, the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin, every bit of it. I once heard the blood of Jesus described as a windshield wiper on your car. You know, a windshield wiper removes rain from both sides of the windshield so that you can adequately see to drive your car. And the blood of Jesus kind of removes the sin from our life. It removes our past sins. It removes our present sins. It removes the sins that we will commit that we don't even know about. We have the blessing of living as forgiven, cleansed people without blemish, without defect, if we are walking in the light. On the day of Pentecost, in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter told this crowd who wanted to know what they needed to do to become right with God, Peter said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The forgiveness of sins and our act of obedience in baptism is a simultaneous event. If we've been baptized into Christ, we know that our sins have been forgiven. If we go back to the Old Testament, the psalmist in Psalm 103 penned in verse 12, As far as the east is from the west, so far has God removed our transgressions from us. What a beautiful thought. As far as the east is from the west. And the writer of Hebrews penned in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12, quoting from the great prophet Jeremiah, God says, I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. W.P. McKay made a very biblical statement when he said that Christ has cleansed every stain and he has borne all of our sins. That is something we can believe, not just something that we sing. But why do we still struggle to feel forgiven? Well, there could be numerous reasons, numerous answers to that question. But I'd call our attention back to the church at Corinth. If a church ever had a problem, they had it. And Paul, in writing to that church in chapter 6 of that book, looked at their previous lifestyles and said, beginning in verse 9, 
Neither the sexually immoral, nor the idolaters, nor the adulterers, nor the male prostitutes, homosexual offenders, thieves, greedy, drunkards, slanders, swindlers, none of them will inherit the kingdom of God. That's quite the rap sheet, and they must have had some rough people in Corinth. But Paul clarifies, that is what some of you were. It's not who you are now, that's who you were. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. God can forgive anyone who submits to His will and to His authority. W.P. McKay also writes in verse 4, Revive us again, fill each heart with thy love. May each soul be rekindled with fire from above. Fill each heart with thy love. If all of the hearts in the church were filled with God's love, how do you think it would influence the church? It's an interesting question to consider, but I'll tell you some things we can know for sure. (laughs) If all hearts in the church were full of God's love, there'd be less conflict. There'd be more sacrifice. Our churches would grow, not just spiritually, but also numerically. And I think we would keep the main thing the main thing. If you've been in churches for a while, you know that it is so easy for us to get bogged down in things that don't matter. But if our hearts are full of God's love, we will spend all of our time focusing on the things which do matter. But how do we rekindle our souls? McKay also pleads for that action, not just to fill our hearts with God's love, but to rekindle our souls. How do we do that? How do we bring our faith back to life when maybe it's grown cold and distant? Well, certainly God and the Holy Spirit, they're both involved in that transaction. We can't do it without them. But it's also true that we must play a part in the process. Dr. Paul Faulkner, who is a great preacher and psychologist and marriage and family therapist within Churches of Christ for many years, who was famous for doing his marriage enrichment conferences with Carl Burkeen. Dr. Paul Faulkner was famous for making this statement about relationships, but it really applies to everything in life. He says you have to act yourself into a better way of feeling. You can't feel yourself into a better way of acting. You have to act yourself into a better way of feeling. If you just sit around and wait for yourself to feel better before you take action, you'll never take action. But you have to make a choice that I will take action today. I will do something. And once you do something, it's amazing how it affects your emotional well-being. You have to act yourself into a better way of feeling. And I think the same is true for a faith that's grown cold. God is wanting to bring it back to life, but we have to be willing on our own for our faith to be brought back to life. We have to act ourselves into a more faithful, fervent life. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 85, verse 6, Will you not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? Our churches need to be revived again. Our country needs to be revived again. Your family, 
your marriage, your faith may need to be revived again. Well, let this great song from W.P. McKay begin that revival. Thank you for spending your time with us today. As always, keep your eyes on heaven, and I can't wait to talk with you next time.